0: a very human thing, a very human experience, marks the beginning of an extraordinary and new life, the life which has been given to us and is about in a few moments to be given to a group of our friends who have made the journey through the catechumenate to come before the Lord today and receive the gift of this life, very human, What could be more human than this simple phrase of the gospel we just read? While they were puzzling over all of this, so they came to the tomb, the stone which had been sealed and guarded was rolled back, and the tomb was empty. And they were puzzling about all of this, puzzling and wondering what could it possibly mean. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of a wonder, of an extraordinary wonder that took over the world on that day, the wonder of the extraordinary victory of Christ forever over sin and death, his triumphant victory over Satan and Satan's plans for the world. And from this moment emerges a new life, a new sort of life, a new sort of humanity, a new way of living, a new gaze upon everything, Because what changes this night isn't just um, that Jesus is no longer dead, but in the light of that extraordinary mystery of Jesus' resurrection, the whole world, the whole of creation is different. It truly is different. It's different because as we look upon it, as we look upon the world, as we look upon the stars, as we look upon everything that there is, as we look upon our neighbor, as we look upon ourselves, there's something completely new has happened. Something completely new has taken place. A new possibility has entered the world and that possibility is the possibility that Jesus hinted at over and over again in his life. But they found it very hard to get their minds around what Jesus was saying when he promised that he would go before them to Galilee and that through this cross would come light. Through this cross would come life. Through this cross would come a complete rebirth, a complete regeneration of what was corrupted and destroyed by Satan through the temptation of Adam and Eve through the abuse of their freedom, and through the following of that abuse through the history of the world. All of this, which seemed so hopeless, so hopeless. In the coming days, we'll undoubtedly read the story of those disciples on the road to Emmaus who show us what it seemed like to them after Jesus had died. It seemed like it was all over. It seemed hopeless, it seemed pointless. It seemed that the world would have to settle back in to that life of before, that futile life of before, to use the word that St. Paul used, the world subject to futility. It seemed like the world had to descend one more time into that futility. But then, these women go to the tomb. These women go to the tomb. And they see that the door's open. What does that mean? They look inside, and he's not there. What does that mean? They begin to puzzle. They go and they tell the disciples. Peter comes running. He looks in the tomb. He saw what they saw. And then he went home, amazed by what had happened. Do you see the tiny beginning the tiny beginning of an extraordinary, an extraordinary new life. It begins in this human way of puzzlement, leading to wonder, leading to discovery, and leading to delight, and leading to new life, and leading to the birth of a new people in the world, a new people in the world that bear his name, of which we are part, and of which our friends here in the front pews Will be apart momentarily. They have made the journey so that they could come to us. Tonight, those disciples discovered that Jesus was alive. Tonight, those disciples discovered that, as I've quoted to you every Easter, love is stronger. St. John Paul II's famous phrase, love is stronger. And you can put anything after that. Love is stronger than anything. You can pull anything. Love is stronger. That is what they discovered, that love is stronger. And we belong to that life of his love, that life which is generated by his love, that people that is continually reborn from the altar at the agape feast, as it was called in the first centuries, the feast of love the feast in which love is shared upon the altar and fed out as food to the people of God. And our friends here too will receive this evening for the first time the Holy Eucharist, this bread of life, this bread of love, this sharing, this sustaining of this extraordinary community which has endured 2,000 years when history has rolled on and so many things have been forgotten, but again, but but we are here, we are here, gathered around the altar, and we're not here commemorating something of the past. We're not here remembering how beautiful Jesus was, and how wonderful the stories in the gospel are, all of which of course is true, but that's not why we're here, we're here because he is alive, we're here because of his victory, we're here because he lives. Jesus lives, and to me, as always, the most, the most um, forceful proof of this is our catechumens. Where did they meet Jesus? Where did they meet Jesus? Did they use a time machine to go back 2,000 years so that they could meet him on the dusty roads of Palestine? I don't think so. I think that they met him. I know that they met him right here right here in Bloomfield, right here in our community, right here among our friends, how could they meet? How could they meet one who is dead? No, they met one who is alive and they met him. They didn't just come across him and say, oh, hi. They met him in a way that made them decide that they desired to follow him, to belong to him, to be with him. The very same things that we read in the pages of the gospel are happening right now, right now among us, just as we read in the gospel that Jesus met this person and said, come follow me, and they followed him, and this other person and said, come follow me, and they followed him. Right now, right here, 2022, these are catechumens show us, reveal to us, allow us to see once again how this same life, this very same life, is here among us now, is alive and active, persuasive, drawing people, providing, showing an attractive possibility for life, spurring in the human heart a preference for him, alive, For this reason, we're deeply grateful to our catechumens and all who have accompanied them, but to them especially for the docility of spirit, the docility of spirit. I hope that's something we understand, but let me explain it for a minute. Their spirit is willing. Their spirit is is alive and attentive, and when they see something good, when they see something beautiful, they want it. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a searcher of great pearls who, when he finds one, goes and sells everything he has, so that he can buy the field in which he found it, and he can make it his own. This is exactly the way it happens. This is exactly the way it happens. They met Jesus Christ. You, my beloved catechumens, met Jesus Christ. And this is what docility of spirit means. It means the willingness to go and sell everything you have so that you can buy that field and have that pearl, that you can have Jesus. You met Jesus and you decided to place your lives at his disposal, to make yourselves his disciples, that from this moment forward, your whole life will be discipleship of Jesus You will be his disciples. You will be his followers. He will be played into every single thing that you do. Every single decision. Every single um, operation that you do. He will be played in. And played in not just as a periphery. But as the heart and the core of that. uh, uh, Of your life. Your lives will become this new life. This new life which is born this morning. You will become our brothers and sisters. And unless we might be sitting back thinking, oh, well, they've got a lot on the plates, don't they? Well, we too are baptized. We too have received the sacraments, which they will receive themsel- them this evening. And we too are living that life which, at which they are at the beginning of at this moment. Besides their baptism and the First Holy Communion, they will receive also the great Sacrament of Confirmation, the Sacrament in which the Holy Spirit will come upon them, rendering them His witnesses to the ends of the world. You know the difference that Pentecost made. On Pentecost, the disciples were still in the upper room with the doors barred. They were afraid. They were dominated by fear and the church didn't appear to be going anywhere but when the holy spirit came upon them those doors were thrown open and they and then began the great work of evangelization in your confirmation you will be associated through to this great work of evangelization you will be confirmed in the faith which you will profess now in a few moments as part of the rite you will be confirmed in that faith, uh, uh, and you will live in that faith. And in this way, you will be his witnesses, not above all by speeches that you will give, but by the lives you will live, by him being at the heart and the center of that life. And may all of us also learn, As as we look upon the rites celebrated this evening, let us be provoked by the fact that we ourselves received these same rights in our time, and that at this moment they they are every bit as new, fresh, and alive as they were on uh, on that day, and as they are and they will be momentarily in the lives of our catechumens. May God bless us all and fill us with his Easter joy.